At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all-new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan week. What is this? Five? I don't know. It's, it's, it, we're like almost a quarter of the way through the season already somehow. And we're getting to the point where we're seeing some of the, what John has termed maybe the most interesting part of a team season. They kind of get things figured out in the first couple of weeks. Everyone is still trying here in November. And in conjunction with that, John made a trip out West to check out some of the West Coast teams and have some conversations, I'm sure. So, John, what were some of your main impressions from your West Coast trip, other than the Sacramento coffee, of course? Yeah, yes, the uh, the highlight of the trip, without question. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting, uh, you know, watching the two LA teams because they're both playing without their A one star, right? LeBron's out for the Lakers right now. Kawhi's out for the Clippers. Man, the Clippers look like they're in a lot better shape. I mean, comparatively, like when you when you go back, see them, you know, consecutive nights multiple times in a week, and just the kind of shape they're in. I mean, the Lakers, even though uh, they won twice when I saw them, both games were like basically make or miss league wins, where th- you know they just shot lights out from three. Uh, including Westbrook even in one of the games. And the the Clippers just... they just looked a little more all around solid. Like Paul George has been really good. Uh, they've been able to uh, play small at times, but actually they play big a lot. They've gotten a lot of good minutes out of Isaiah Hartenstein. I think he's been a really uh, key find for them to get that backup five slot filled, especially with Mark- Marcus Morris basically hasn't played. Uh, I think that's a lingering concern, actually, uh, what's going on with him, uh, because that knee like really started bothering him in the Phoenix series. Um And, you know, now like we just started here and is already on the sideline. So you definitely have to worry about that. But yeah, he missed a bunch of time with that knee last year, too, didn't he? Remember that he kind of wasn't really around for the start of the season. And that's how Batum emerged into a much larger role than was initially expected. Yeah. And I mean, Batum has been tremendous. Reggie Jackson, total reclamation project. My goodness. I mean, he is so much better now than he was in Detroit. Uh, And, uh, you know, they've gotten uh, a you know, another sort of reclamation project with Bledsoe even, uh, even though he's been a little m- maybe more inconsistent than those other guys. And so... Uh, oh, no, he's consistently shooting 19% from three. <laughs> it's a it's a you do you thing right like he's (laughs) he's consistently himself um so you know they've they've been pretty good so far they've been better defensively than i expected now both these la teams have benefited from a home heavy schedule which is part of the reason i went out there but is able to go to a game at staples every night uh lakers Uh, oh no no uh uh, sorry uh (laughs) crypto.com the crypt just rolls yeah rolls off the tongue yeah can oh they uh can they start can we start calling it the crypt yeah or i mean <laughs> given the age of the lakers roster i mean sure <laughs> yeah oh that's that's amazing um but yeah so, so you 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 want I, I thought actually seeing the bulls play back to back against the Lakers and then the Clippers was probably pretty useful for you, I would imagine. Well, I actually, I skipped town before that Bulls-Lakers game. Um, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I know. Just, um, 
I figured, you know, the Caruso tribute video and everything, but it just it just might get too emotional for me. Uh, so I got I <laughs> well, got you out guys, of there. You, you guys are kindred spirits. You have the same haircut, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, uh, but I mean, the Bulls that I mean, they were impressive. That Bulls Clippers game was really good. First of all. Uh, but Chicago has been such an impressive story, uh, you know, through this whole first part of the season, way better than I thought. I wrote about this for The Athletic on Monday. DeRozan having a career year at 32. Uh, and then the fit between all these pieces where their individual weaknesses, I think, are covered up by the other players' strengths. Um, you know, especially like Lonzo and Caruso, I think their teams were kind of down on them because they weren't really like half-court pick-and-roll guys. And they don't need to be that in Chicago because it's going to run through DeRozan and Levine and to a lesser extent Vooch when he's uh, in there. And so uh, they can really just be who they are, uh, you know, terrorizing on defense. They both have, they both are big enough that the Bulls can switch everything one through four, which I I think uh, makes them really uh, kind of punch above their weight defensively a little bit. And uh, both those guys are so good in transition too. So I, I, I just think the pieces have fit together really neatly for Chicago. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, this is a team that seemed like it was going to have so many weaknesses, and that's what I was focused on more. But uh, instead, it, it's been their strengths that, that have stood out. Now, when you saw what Golden State, a team that is able to lock in a little bit more from a defensive perspective that just knows the scouting report really well. They were able to defend them pretty well, but you know, Golden State's been stopping everybody these days. And I thought the Clippers defended the Bulls pretty well also. They just couldn't make a shot in that game. I thought that game was pretty evenly played uh, aside from that. But yeah, the juxtaposition of the Clippers and Lakers is really interesting because I think even with the guys out that the Clippers have, they have a pretty good understanding of how they want to play under Ty Lue. They found success with this group in large part in the playoffs yeah. last year. They have confidence because of that. They've overcome this one and four start by winning seven straight, and then they lost the Bulls and came right back again and won last night. Uh, whereas the Lakers, to me, don't really have, and this is in part due to injuries, but they don't really seem to have an understanding of how they want to play right now. Yeah, they're they're flailing. Yeah. Um, I think the last few games, Frank Vogel has gone smaller, and I think that's probably helped. I think this idea that they were going to play with DeAndre and Dwight and Anthony Davis would play the four all year, like that. Those guys just aren't good enough, and so yeah. well. And made, to be fair to them, I think the plan was that AD would start at center, and then with uh, Ariza and Horton Tucker out to start the year, they just didn't have enough bodies on the wing uh, to to play that way. Yeah, and so th- and they had these injuries with none, Horton Tucker, Ariza, and they got Horton Tucker back uh, while I was there, and like he definitely gives them some juice they didn't have. Although he doesn't really give them a lot of shooting, but then they've worked in. Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk. So they're they're trying to get more shooting out there now, which I think is helpful. Uh, But then they give stuff up at the defensive end when they play with lineups like that. And yeah, well, and Carmelo in particular. Yeah, yeah. Who has been good enough offensively that he's definitely playable. um, But when you get down to crunch time situations, like teams just attack him and attack him and, and, and that hurts them. But the alternative is, I mean, they finished that. Um, I'm trying to remember who they played on uh, on Sunday. Uh, San Antonio. I yeah. mean, they finished that game with. I mean, Russ was basically their four, you know, and and so they were they were so small uh, to not have to not have Carmelo out there. Yeah, uh, but uh, he obviously is going to get attacked uh, defensively as well. And good news though for them that LeBron is uh, looking to make his return on Friday. My question though, I'm sorry. You think he'll help? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do have a little bit of a question on that, though, because okay. th- their their schedule is getting harder. Yeah. The last two times we've seen him come back from injury, now granted a, a more major injury than it seems this one is with the groin in 2019 and the ankle in 2021, he was not the same guy. He came back yeah. early. He basically said as much and certainly... I don't see, you know, the team's medical staff being like, 
hey, LeBron, you know, we really want to rest you for another couple of weeks here, make sure that you're good. LeBron has always really pushed to get back from these injuries, and for the vast majority of his career, that hasn't been a problem. But if he comes back and either re-injures it or this continues to be an issue for him with this abdominal injury, which obviously you need your abs for everything that you're going to do, that could be a a concern as well. Because I think as they go on the road, I don't expect them to win many games as currently constituted without him. Yeah, I mean, they're 8-7 and against a joke schedule these first 15 games. I mean, it was really it was really laid out for them on a silver platter and they just didn't take advantage of it. I mean, they lost to the Thunder twice. They got their asses kicked by the T-Wolves at home. Uh so now now they're getting into a much more difficult part and they don't have any margin for error. And like you said, we can't expect LeBron anymore to just throw on the Superman cape and take care of everything the way he did for so long. So I I think they're at a really interesting moment. And look, I mean, they're still probably going to be pretty good when, you know, with LeBron out there with AD. uh, But just are they going to be good enough to make meaningful noise in this conference? I think that's a real question. Well, despite all of that, I bet you teams will still be trying to avoid them in the playoff seating, even if they're going to be the seventh seed, just like we saw last year. But I think the teams are still going to be afraid of what they could theoretically be in a playoff setting until it's really proven otherwise. You're probably right about that. And, you know, I think that's great news for Daniel Oturu because he could get like a 10-day at the end of the year with one of these teams. (laughs) Yeah, was it? Is he playing in the G League now? I um, I think no. I think I think he is. Yeah, I forget what yeah. team he was on. I was talking with somebody in L.A. about that. Oh, oh yeah. Did, did you? Uh, I think you I think he's. The- I think he's Windy City. Actually, I think he's a Windy City Bull. Oh, you're right. You're right. That is actually exactly what it is. So yeah, that that's. Daniel Latoro, one of the most valuable, what was he drafted like 33 overall and then dunked yeah. after a year? Just a, a, incredibly yeah. valuable as it turned out. So <laughs> uh, who else did you see uh, on this trip and, and, and any I observations saw, you want to share about them? Yeah, I saw Sacramento play back to back and... I don't know how much traction this story is getting nationally, but like De'Aaron Fox, like what happened to that guy? He just hasn't been himself the whole year. Yeah. And I mean, he can't hit a jumper, which is obviously a a problem, but the free throw rate is really down. The thing that made him so unstoppable was uh, in what I think was, well, yeah, I guess he did average 25 a game last year, but that I thought made him so unstoppable was pushing in transition and then attacking downhill, getting to the foul line. And, you know, I never was a huge believer in him as a half-court operator and there are these rumblings from your colleague Sam Amick's story about how they don't feel like he and Halliburton are playing together that well and that uh, Kevin Pelton noted this yesterday that that's probably just a, that Fox doesn't make his jumpers when Halliburton's on the floor and he does when he's off which doesn't really have that much to do with them but I do think that there's a, a something to be said that Halliburton is kind of the better traditional pick and roll operator which is surprising because that was not the reputation that he had coming out out of college but and he he doesn't really set things up that well but they'll kind of get him going out of the corner so he's got a a little bit of a running start he can turn the corner and either shoot that floater or go for the jump in the air fake floater alley-oop to Holmes I think Halliburton and Holmes that maybe have a little bit better chemistry than than Fox and Holmes do but I, I think Fox will clearly play better as far as his shooting but your hope was that he could get firmly into the all NBA and all-star conversations this year. And certainly with that that, happening. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly with that extension he's on. Right. Yeah. Well, they didn't have a choice, but to do that, but I I mean, I, I, not that I was, they did get the fifth year on it. I I think there wasn't anyone who was saying that they shouldn't do that extension at at the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this has been, I'm, I'm kind of shocked just by like, I just don't see that same blast off burst when I, when I've seen him and I don't know if there's like an undisclosed injury or, or what's going on but like it just hasn't been there this first part of the year no and it it just it always seems like there's something going on there with the kings whether it's the bagley situation it just seems like someone's always just like unhappy beneath the surface even going back to demarcus being there obviously so you know you wonder if maybe that's part of it but supposedly the whole reason that they love fox was he like really wanted to be in sacramento going back to 2017 so i i don't know if if that's it i mean maybe he's this idea of them not fitting together i'm guessing that when amy talks about that that's 
that's something that's coming from internal sources and maybe there's that's based on you know the players and maybe Fox's feelings of like Fox has definitely been off the ball more in the half court this year but at the same time the thing that made Fox Fox wasn't the half court right it was these it was these transition situations where he would just go and you just you just haven't seen that yeah I mean maybe maybe what's leading to that thinking is well you know Hal Burton's also a point guard and he's getting some of the pick and roll reps and it should be Fox all the time and you know again we're probably delving too far into the realm of of speculation here but uh, you know it's it's I mean the Kings front court with Barnes and Holmes has been unbelievable so far this year yeah and like despite all this the Kings are actually in pretty good shape as far as uh at least getting to the play-in which I mean they would definitely hold a parade for themselves if they did that um the um because you look, I mean, they're they're six and eight right now. Nobody in the West is running away from them. Like they got to beat out. Basically, they got to beat out the T Wolves and Spurs, and and they're in tenth. And then you know, then it's two games away from the playoffs. So in spite of everything, they're actually in halfway decent. And then there were these after I left. There were all these rumors about uh, Luke Walton because the Kings had lost four games in a row, and two of them were at home. And the Phoenix game was kind of bad. Uh, but I, I that still feels like a little more of a temporary blip to me. Like I, I think things would have to get pretty bad for them to cut bait on Walton. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're as you mentioned, it's not like the Wolves or the Spurs are going to be running away and hiding, it seems like, at, at this point. Um, it, it does seem like things are really shaking out at the bottom of, of that Western Conference. I mean, technically, the Thunder are still kind of involved, but they're doing the exact same thing as last year, where they're getting completely destroyed in the games that they lose and then just, like, eking out wins yeah, they, to, to have a superficially decent record. Yeah, they suck at sucking, basically. They're they're winning too much, many they're winning too many games, but they're still not actually any good. Yeah, m- much to uh, Sam Presti's uh, chagrin, I'm sure. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. You saw yeah. Phoenix in that game uh, uh, against the Kings, right, last week? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. What did you, uh, you know, Aiden was out that game. They were up for most of it. The Kings made it a furious but ultimately futile rally at the end. But any thoughts uh, on the Suns right now from a, a basketball perspective? I just think they've kind of quietly gotten their mojo back. I, you know, the first couple of weeks were kind of choppy for them. And now even with uh, JaVale and Frank, McGins- Frank Kaminsky, uh, the great Frank Kaminsky uh, of late uh, play playing. I, I just feels like they've they've gotten back to being who they are, and that they're you know they're going to end up in that one of those top three positions in the West again. Uh, I I'm not sure I have that much to say about them beyond that. You know, I thought early in the season Chris Paul didn't quite look like himself. I thought in that I thought in that Kings game he did, and I think he's he, like he's definitely starting to get back to being that that guy. And he's you know having to figure out different ways to draw bullshit fouls because because the, <laughs> the offseason changes. But like the rip move still still there, right? 
You know what he did yep. twice in that game, actually? He did. He rip moved a guy when they weren't in the bonus, which I have never seen him do before. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Usman Garuba definitely thinks Chris Paul looks like himself. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I, yeah, for those who don't know, there was a uh, clip out there on the social media or whatever, Chris Paul dribbling between Garuba's legs as Garuba guarded him on a switch and then getting to a pull-up jumper. It, it's too bad, actually, that that's what Garuba is going to be known for in the earlier part of his career because he's uh, actually a good defensive player yeah yeah in uh rockets garbage time which yes i have actually subjected myself to on occasion i'm so uh, sorry including including one game that i was actually announcing live for uh nba league pass um yeah i got to see some some garuba garbage time he's actually uh was blocking shots left and right in that oh you and i haven't talked at all about the sarver situation um do you have any and i don't think you've written about that either do you have any thoughts on that i mean i i did a whole like 30 minute pod on it with Danny but I I wanted to see if you have any uh, I mean obviously we know the conduct he's accused of is reprehensible and you know I don't don't think we need to get it get into that necessarily but as far as what's going to happen now uh, going forward um, any thoughts on that? I think it's really interesting because I think the NBA would like him to sell but they can't you know this is the tricky part of the Sterling situation too is that they can't technically force the guy to sell and you know Adam Silver to an extent works for Sarver right he's he's hired by the other 30 by the other 29 owners so it's a really muddy situation for for the league to deal owner misconduct in general is a, is a really difficult situation for the league to deal with and if if they if they can't push him out then the question is what well what what can they do um you know and do they levy penalties on the organization and then like is it is it fair to punish the sons a, a draft pick because their owner's a creep uh like is that like I, I, I don't know like I'm, I'm genuinely asking like because you, you could argue it either way I think um it's sort of like putting the you know telling the college kids they can't go to a bowl game because of the recruiting violations from three years ago right um well i i, I think it would, that would be I, I don't know if a draft pick that, that there's much precedent for that for personal misconduct yeah of this yeah it's a, hypo- you know, I mean, has a hypothetical example yeah it would probably yeah. be more like a fine or something or yeah yeah i, I, th- I think a, a i certainly think a significant suspension would be warranted you know if this ends up being true if you compare it to say the dan snyder situation uh with yeah. the Wa- washington football team although uh g- giving control of the team to uh, Penny Sarver, his wife, is uh, it, it, she might not be too stable either. We, maybe that's not a, a great idea. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you know this doesn't fall to the or, or rise to the level of the Sterling thing because it just hasn't gotten anywhere near the cultural traction, right? I mean, that was one of the biggest media circuses that we've seen. CNN is out there doing live stand-ups outside of the playoff game. Every reporter was there. I was actually covering that series and. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Clippers locker room was overflowing as their PR people unsuccessfully tried to say only basketball questions. And, <laughs> and there was just, you know, sponsors. People forget this too. Sponsors were like, we're not sponsoring the LA Clippers anymore. Like they yeah. all of the, they go back for a game five and all the sponsor banners are just covered up. And so yeah. Yeah. without that kind of a public outcry and, uh, you know, unless the organ, the uh, investigation turns up something that's really a smoking gun in written form or, or audio, it's, I don't see that sort of a groundswell emerging. And so I, I don't think a, that the owners would want, cause it, you know, it takes a vote of the other owners to basically kick him out. Um, and then they also, you know, in the Sterling situation, they had kind of this yeah. backdoor through Shelly Sterling and, and uh, that whole, uh, their operating agreement and all that. So, that's unclear whether something like that exists here so it just it doesn't seem like there's going to be the will to remove him it doesn't seem like there's going to be the way my prediction is that it ends up being some and i'll I'll say this too my operating assumption based on having read the story and the number of witnesses etc and robert sarver's reputation and and his response is that all this is true until further notice you know i I mean that would that would be my default yes yeah so so making that assumption you know obviously if the investigation concludes 
foods differently, I, I will adjust. But, you know, this isn't surprising, I would say. If you, uh, you want me to make a call on it, that's that's what my call is as of now. Um, you know, I, I think a suspension of like a year or two and a substantial fine, you know, into the tens of millions of dollars is where I kind of see this heading eventually. That I think think you're probably right about that. I, the, and, you know, it's interesting. You talk about that Clippers Warrior series. I mean, they weren't even going to play the game for a minute there, you know? Like, like Doc had to really come in and like kind of sa- save the situation that day a little bit. So it, it was a much more, it, just a much bigger deal on a lot of levels uh, than this than this situation with Sarver. But again, I think it's it's one that the league is going to take very seriously. You know, there's also this other element to it where the, again the other owners might not want to see Silver throw the book at him too much because some of them you know let's <laughs> let's just like some of them may have a similar skeleton in their closet right like is it that wild to think that well and particularly if we're they're going to establish the precedent of you know going through the entire organization's emails uh, you know the, what the depth of this investigation is whether you know is it going to be a we'll make an oral report to Adam Silver <laughs> you know is right. it going to is it going to be that like with uh the, your uh, beloved Washington football team oh um, my goodness yeah yeah so um any other basketball thoughts here uh, being on the west coast i know you saw uh, G League Ignite play uh, as well yeah. you're at Bulls you're at Bulls Warriors i think also so I, anything else that that popped up i, I was not i did not see Golden State on this trip um oh okay yeah uh i uh i figured you were holding it down in the bay so you know i could kind of skirt around that one no yeah. i went, well, I, went this to, podcast, uh, I saw g league number one priority i saw g league at night play uh the uh clippers uh g league team and that was interesting because brandon boston and keon johnson both played for the clippers uh i thought brandon boston looked good and, uh, you know, he got some minutes for the Clippers later in the week. Uh, I thought defensively he looked good gar- guarding some of the prospects on, on G League at night. Uh, offensively, like he's his load up into his jump shot is weird, but it kind of seems to work for him better than what he used to be doing. And he likes Like he like puts his leg out. He's so skinny, right? I think just like getting the power on the shot is hard for him. Uh, he puts his leg way out to the right now on the catch uh, and then kind of loads up into it that way. But it it's working better for him. Um, and, you know, he has some slashing ability. Uh, pretty good in the mid-range, like pull-up kind of floater stuff. Uh, still, like, the strength at the rim, I think, is a real problem for him. Like, strength anywhere, basically, is. But definitely an intriguing prospect for a guy who's picked in the 50s. Yeah, Brad in Boston, it looks like maybe he's kind of moved ahead of Keon Johnson in a lot of people's estimations. You remember, now, Johnson also has been out with kind of an illness slash injury. We haven't seen much of him yet. But I do think that Boston's game translates a little more. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Keon Johnson, his fate is to become a, you know, Bruce Braun, Gary Payton, Terrence Mann type. Of course, they already have Terrence Mann on the team uh, as well. But I think they figured that they can get him to shoot and he was a, a long-term project. Yeah, I liked what I saw briefly from Boston in their game last night against the Spurs as well. He had, had a couple of nice moments as a driver. Yeah, what, what else you got uh, on the last week or so here that, that's been sticking out? Have you, uh, you had a chance to watch much Washington Wizards lately? That's, you know, that's a team I, that I really want to focus in on so this week. But. I'd love to hear your thoughts on them because I actually haven't, I saw them in the beginning of the year and I haven't seen much of them lately and I kind of need to circle back on them because yeah I mean that's a, a really interesting story there was happening in Washington Tommy Shepard uh getting a much deserved I think extension I mean just for turning that John Wall dead like you will not have like dead or dead money than that in terms of just the sheer amount of it uh for for a player who just wasn't going to give you that much uh and has turned that over a period of two years without giving up massive amounts of draft capital into like some a lot of productive decent players and Montrez Harrell's having a monster year for him uh Danny Avdia has definitely gotten better friend of the show Howell Neto on a on a minimum contract I, I think that's a that's a big story Nate that you're really itching to talk about um <laughs> the you know the Gafford trade from last year I, I think worked out really well for them There's yeah that, a lot- that really that just materialized out of nowhere 
Yeah. And what's crazy is like Bradley Beal hasn't really even done that much. Yeah. No, he's going to be back tonight against Charlotte. And I am going to watch that game. Like you, I haven't seen that much of them either. Just my schedule hasn't worked out that way. A lot of the, a lot of the other games that I've been watching have been, you know, they haven't taken like a West Coast trip yet or anything. So it's, it's been tough to get good eyes on them. But unfortunately, there's, they've had just about the easiest schedule and now their schedule is going to get a lot harder. Uh, but yeah, I've been really impressed by them. And uh, Tommy Shepard's getting the promotion the extension sashi brown who no one still knows that what he actually does there also uh, got a promotion and presumably extension no word on whether the medical guy that reports directly to ted <laughs> also got a promotion and extension <laughs> <laughs> but uh pre- presumably he's, he's still around um so no i mean that's uh it's a pretty was a pretty ridiculous trade in their favor dinwiddie looks like he hasn't lost a, a step at all coming back from the partially torn acl maybe that can give clippers fans some hope with Kawhi leonard um so i think it's that time of the show now here john to rule a team out of the playoffs maybe it gets a little more difficult okc detroit and houston are all down uh, mm-hmm. for us I went first last time, uh, so that means it is now your turn to go first, and all of the obvious candidates perhaps uh, are off the board, or maybe not. So wait, wait, wait. We not we done OKC in Houston, and then Detroit was the other one. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, can I eliminate my preseason picks from the playoffs? Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, there's still there's still like 65 games left or whatever, but man, this is not looking good. Um, okay. Um, well, well, so so your Bulls, Bulls, Pels, and Warriors are those like the three? The, the, that would be like the holy trinity of badness right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, well be- before we move on, actually, do you watch that Warriors Nets game last night? Maybe we should talk about. I that watched. I that. watched bits and pieces because I was working on my uh, Jokic MVP column. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that'll be an interesting one to, to talk about in the end I'm, I'm gonna have to dig through things but I, I mean i think clearly kd Steph, and Jokic are the are the gonna be the three candidates uh when danny and i do our our first awards at the end of this yeah this uh this month um yeah i mean i you know i think i take more good away from that game for the warriors than i do bad for the nets because i actually thought that harden looked pretty good like he's starting to round into form he, he uh, there are a lot of things that felt kind of 2018 about that except the KD was <laughs> was uh was on the nets and instead of the Warriors but Harden was drawing fouls and kind of playing against the Warriors like it was 2018 and you know the Warriors being back in the spotlight Kerr talked about that after the game of, of how cool that was that they're they're back in it and playing well but I mean this Warriors defense I think we're gonna they were are benefiting from a lot of opponent three-point shooting luck but they've got some room to regress when they're basically almost three points 100 possessions better than than yeah. the second best team right now. Yeah, I mean, that's a story to me, but they were they were good on defense last year too. They weren't quite this good, obviously. Um, I, th- I think D- Draymond seems to me like he's got a, some of that juice back. Um, yeah, that on both ends, I would say. That was kind of missing last year. But then offensively, I mean, as much fun, like when Steph is on one, there's nothing more fun as a basketball fan than that, right? And yeah. so, and that was the case last year too, but their offense actually sucked last year, even even with Steph being Steph, because they 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 just didn't have that much else, uh, and the, and there were way too many turnovers trying to the ball would end up with it in the hands of a non shooter, and he'd try to pass it back to Steph, and maybe it got there and they got a good shot, but it, it created a lot of turnovers too. And now I think there's just a lot more threats out there all the time. And that so them being second in offense to me is is more of the story here. They're like they fixed the thing that kept them out of the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean, I don't care who you play. If you go through a 14 game stretch as the number two offense and the number one defense, you know, you, you yeah. have to be taken taken serious. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, where I think we missed on them. I mean, there are a number of places, and, and obviously, I, I raised my expectations for the Warriors uh, before after seeing them in preseason. But obviously, I wasn't expecting anything close to this, uh, particularly with Clay not even back yet. Was they had that fifteen and five run to end the season when Ubre and Wiseman basically went out, and they were playing an eight man rotation, and we felt, hey, maybe that's above where they were. They played a bunch of tanking teams, and yeah, they were the number one defense over that stretch. But, you know, they played Draymond at center a ton. How sustainable is that really? You know, it seemed like they were just pushing incredibly hard, going up against bad teams. And you know, that 15-5 and five start that would or, or close of the season, that wouldn't be able to 
continue. And instead, maybe the analysis should have been they went 15 and 5 with an eight man rotation, including Michael Mulder, Kent Bazemore, a lot more of Kevon Looney than you would want to have. And they've got Juan Toscano Anderson, who was solid for them last year. I think he's a rotation player, but he's not even in the rotation now this year. And then they upgraded all those spots. Iguodala is much better than the guys, than Bazemore, certainly, you you would say. And bringing in Otto Porter, who was awesome last night. Bielita gives them the stretch five element, although, you know, he can play here and there and and only in certain matchups. And Gary Payton the second, yes, I think I'll be, I can be forgiven for not seeing that he was going to be unbelievable so far for them this year. But they really upgraded all of those spots from what was 15 and five close to, to last year and so maybe it shouldn't be such a shock that they're they are better this year than that 15 and five close yeah the, the they just don't ever get caught with crappy players on the floor anymore which happened all the time last year it's like oh well we had a nice run there but now it's you know Wanamaker, Toscano, Anderson, and Mulder are <laughs> three of our five right and and you just don't run into lineups like that with that team this year At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Um, okay, let's get back to ruling a team uh, out oh, of the yeah. playoffs here. And so I, I see two potential candidates. Uh, I'm interested to well, see where you're going to go, though. Yeah, so I am going to go with a team that I think has no interest in making the playoffs. And I think they also play in the better of the two conferences, I must say, uh, which is a change wow, that's, this year. that's scary to think of. The, worlds, are, worlds are colliding. The East has been better this year, man. And the only thing that's making it not look as bad right now is the West has played a lot more home games in the interconference battles. And that's about to change as a lot of these West teams go on East Coast trips. Um, so anyway, I'm going to eliminate the Orlando Magic who, I mean, they've looked, I guess, better than I thought, I would probably say. Uh, but they're still 27th in offense, 27th in defense, and play, playing a lot of young guys, trying to figure things out. Like, it's it's not happening. Uh, so I actually like them going forward probably more than I did at the start of the year. Like, I think Franz Wagner is good. I think Cole Anthony has been a breakout player. Uh, the one thing you would really worry about, I think, if you're Orlando, is that Jalen Suggs is not look good and you know you invested the high pick in him so you, you got to hope that he can turn the corner i mean honestly even mo bamba has looked pretty decent um so uh but the, i mean at the end of the day this team's gonna win like 25 games right so I, I think they're a pretty easy call here yeah they've been frisky at times but but they're three and eleven if you're jeff weltman right now and you had to choose between Suggs or anthony going forward who are you picking wow Wow. Wow. You see, I would have, I would have said Suggs all day at the start of the year, but, uh, yeah, this has been 14 games that would really cause you to adjust your priors here. Uh, did not expect Anthony to rebound like a power forward. Uh, he's gotten better on the ball, like as a distributor, still not amazing. Like he's still more of a, you know, shooter slash shot hunter, but he's like, he's pretty good in that role. Um, I still want to see more of Suggs and how he, I mean, we've seen this before where rookies, you know, especially rookie point guards, like rookie point guards get their ass kicked in this league generally. And then it's, it's how they do late first year into that second year that usually really tells you if you have something. Uh, but where Suggs has struggled is where people worried about him coming in, which was, exactly you know, is he enough of a pick and roll playmaker? Is he a good enough shooter? Uh, you know, is that skill level there? Uh, defensively, he'll probably be fine. Uh, he can do stuff in transition, but is there enough there in the half court to make him a viable point guard? Yeah, no, I, I worry about that too. And then the way that I thought it was most likely he was going to be successful, I was lower on him than than many were, was I thought, all right, well, maybe his jump shot just turns out to be awesome. And the returns on that are extremely low at the moment. He's <laughs> shooting 20% from three and 39% from two is not yeah. 
much better, but he's also 17% on long twos. So yeah, I mean, not having the pick and roll craft, defensively, I think he's been as advertised, but not having the pick and roll craft and not being a great shooter, his finishing hasn't been amazing either. So yeah, I'm definitely concerned uh, about him. Like you said, we, you know, De'Aaron Fox had an awful rookie season and turned out to be a guy who got a max max contract. Some of the advanced metrics had him as one of the worst players in the NBA, his rookie. There's been a a lot of guys like that. You know, Russell Westbrook probably was like that too. But yeah, I'd be, I, I would have to go with the anthony over him i think pretty clearly um wendell carter also is having a very underrated season all of a sudden shooting 47 percent from downtown or i'm sorry 46 percent from downtown that's pretty impressive as well um you know playing him at the four with bomba is that you know i mean it's not a recipe for incredible offensive success and i would prefer seeing bogner at the four and and a more viable three um what what the hell happens when jonathan isaac comes back that's going to be a really interesting question like who who starts at center bomba or carter at that point that is an interesting question boy i i mean i think carter's just a better player like i i would start carter and bring bomba off the bench but uh that's going to be interesting because like wagner with isaac defensively like at the three four like ooh, like now you now maybe you got something yeah and on the bomba carter thing obviously carter agreed to the extension and bomba did not so that that may affect the direction they want to go as well so why are you picking them over the Pels though which is the other team I'm going to pick the Magic also but what's your thing I'm picking ruling them out of the playoffs rather than the Pels um I guess I just look at the rosters and I just I just think like a, a healthy version of the Pelicans is maybe capable of a little more than this um you know they've they've missed Ingram for some of the games. They didn't have Josh Hart for a while. Zion, I mean, who the hell knows with Zion now? But even if he comes yeah, he's, back, for- he's moved up to one on one. He's been cleared for one on one, and then he has to get more scans before he can move beyond that. This is not even he just got cleared for contact. I think yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we might not see this dude until like the All Star break, right? Uh, I I would be quite that. Uh, I, I'm thinking like my guess is like December 20. Okay, okay. That that that's kind of my thought. I think right. I think he's yeah, I think he's a month away right now. People. Okay. If he just started taking contact right now, and you know who knows how much of that is based on just these scans versus them feeling like they he needs to kind of get back into shape as well. Yeah, I mean. Certainly, they have an incentive to rush him back, right? <laughs> so I, I I don't I don't know if they're going to be like crazy careful, but they they need to be careful. They need to obviously the broken bone in the foot is a tricky thing because you it's one of those that you can't rush it. You just time is the only yeah. thing you you have. We went through this with with Mark when we were in Memphis and he broke his right. foot. Like it's just it's just it's the amount of time that it takes, and it's frustrating for the players because they're mindset is like well if i you know do this kind of rehab or do something like a crazy person i can accelerate the timeline and i'm gonna beat it and it's like no you're just like you're just waiting on calcium man like sorry like that's just it <laughs> well yeah also i'm, I'm not sure that zion has been a- a- attacking his rehab like a madman well uh, yeah i mean certainly the conditioning portion <laughs> yes not but yeah. i mean i think regardless of that like the the, the bone heals when the bone heals so my reason for not going with the Pels is more just based on what conference they're in. And you alluded to this a little bit earlier. The Knicks right now by 538 are projected to be the 10th seed with 42 wins. And then you also got the Raptors and Hornets. Sadly, I think the Cavaliers are probably not going to be in this mix now with Sexton being out and Mobley is going to miss two to four weeks with his elbow. They they banked a few wins impressively, but yeah. you know I think it's going to be hard for them to continue to win games. Also, Mark and love are still out too i mean they're they were playing taco fall in that game taco fall starting dean wade like those those second line guys that cleveland puts in i mean they they got some bad players that they have to count on uh yeah. so. dean, dean wade i think might actually be able to be like a semi-competent backup you know like he, he actually moves his feet better than uh than i thought he could make a few plays off a of close i mean not that he's like some stud but I, he's i think he's he's 
he's worked himself into being like a guy you can throw in there as a backup to not kill you but yes probably not an NBA starter I would agree with you there um so and then in the west the Pels 538 I mean they're really high on the Pels obviously um and I don't know when they have Zion coming back but they only have them projected as three wins behind the 10th seed in the west they're projecting that the 10th seed in the west and the 9th seed are both only going to have 36 wins Mm -hmm. so I think that's the the biggest reason Uh, and also the Pels are going to try you mentioned the the magic aren't going to most likely so uh, yeah I I think that's why I'll go with the magic uh Pels you have to wait until next week it it sounds like 13 legitimate playoff contenders in the east yeah that's crazy isn't it yeah yeah and and some of those teams are are just going to drop off due to injury or non-performance I mean that that's always what happens but uh but particularly when you know there you're 13 teams now for 10 slots instead of for eight you know teams are incentivized to kind of stick around it and you know teams like the Hornets and Cavaliers they they want to get into the play in yeah exactly exactly so they're going to try a little little harder than they otherwise might have at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Um, all right, well, let's get into some of our questions here on Twitter Spaces. Thanks to those who put in the request and waited. Uh, we'll probably get to four or five here, so go ahead and throw a request in. But the first one, you've been here for a while, is Zach Tran, Zachary Tran. Ooh, I actually sent you a co-host invite. Sorry about that. I'll add you as a speaker instead. Zach Tran, you are on. Still connecting. And we lost. All right, let's try Rob here. Zach, if you want to jump back in, go for it. Rob, you're on. Hey, uh, so I was curious about a hypothetical Ben Simmons and Shea Gilgis-Alexander trade. If that was the framework of a trade, how many assets would the Sixers have to include to make those packages equitable, in your view? Uh, I'm trying to think why Oklahoma City would do this. Um, So I I can give a quick theory of the case. My thing is OKC is so far away from competing and... With a lot of people, I don't think they view Shea and Simmons as like super disparate assets. I would think Shea is much better, especially now. But in terms of like a long-term overall asset projection, I don't know if it's that different. So if you just overwhelmed them with a package of like three first-round picks, four first-round picks, then I, I would be curious. And then you could add Maxi to that deal. I'd be curious if that would be enough of just an asset play for them to do it, even with the downturn of main asset. Huh. You know, to me, I think they if they weren't a team that already had so many picks, maybe that would be a little bit more appealing. But I don't – I mean, I, I think, you know, if you're just going to compare Ben Simmons, the player, to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I agree Shea is way better. I don't know if he's four first-round picks better, but you're kind of – to go from whatever it is, 18 first-round picks over the next seven years to 22, that's a lot different than going from seven to 11, and, and particularly for a, a team that you know is competently manage and probably isn't ever going to totally bottom out i'm sure if daryl did that he would at least put top four protection on it which uh the houston rockets are still thanking him for doing to get Jalen green yeah really. so yeah i it, it's i think from a value perspective you're not off rob but i also don't quite understand the thinking from oklahoma city's side because shay's better he's under contract for longer he's cheaper um so and it's not like they're winning too many games with him right now anyway i would say well maybe they're winning too many games, but they're not in terms of just how good of a team they are they're not that much better so uh i, I think i would just hold on to shay gilgis alexander i think he, he's looked pretty good so far this year and and i would just roll with that any any further comment on that john yeah i just don't know what the asset is you're getting from the sixers that would that would cause you to shift who you're centerpiece player is from from Simmons to Shea given the all the draft assets that OKC has already and the fact that the any asset that comes from the Sixers is probably you know a B minus asset at best like okay great we got the 23rd pick in 2025 now what I mean I think it I think it ends up not mattering that much because the Sixers are still going to be good yeah, I mean, maybe not in 2028 20, or something, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I don't see, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, maybe he could be flippable for more assets again. It's just, and, and I've been skeptical of all the people like, oh, how are they going to use all these picks and the driving the new car off the lot? Because my thought is just, hey, just use all of them. And then the guys who don't hit, you can move on from, right? If Poku doesn't show anything this year, they can move on from him and not gift him playing time next year and let the next set of draft picks come in. And hopefully you end up with five really awesome players out of those 
17 picks, which is, you know, probably a reasonable hit rate. Um, but yeah, it, Ben Simmons in Oklahoma City, I, he's just, I get, even if you're going to try and flip him for more, uh, you're just going to end up with more picks. And then, I mean, you know, more than three first round picks per year or two, that's, that's starting to get a little much even for, uh, a team like OKC, which I think is going to be yeah. John. You've talked about this before. That we think they're going to try and start winning at least in 2023. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like you can't you can't continue down this road forever. And uh, that you know, if you if you look at how their cap situation lines up, like once Kemba's off the books, I think they really have free reign to like to do some things and and try a little harder and they'll have a couple more high draft picks and in, in the uh you know in the rotation by then so that's that would be my expectation all right thank, thanks for that Any, anything else you wanted to add there rob b- before we go yeah i suppose my thinking with that is i just don't see a way for the sixers out of this situation with simmons that's going to land them any player that would be better than shea at this point unless it's just the blazers completely tumble so I I could see even if you have like the 22 first round pick as the Thunder and that's a lot, then at that point you can also f- add, like add that as flavoring to each of your first round picks you already have. Use those to move up in the draft. So now instead of picking from six, you throw the first rounder on it. Now you're picking from third each of these different drafts you lottery in. Um, so I think there'd be a little bit more rationale from the OKC side. I just I just don't see a way out of this for the Sixers that's getting them anybody who'd be better than Shea or even close to them, really. Yeah, your other problem in moving up, and we already saw this when they had to do 34 and 36 to get 32 uh, with Jeremiah Robinson Earl, is that everyone knows you have the assets, and so if you're trying to move up, you're gonna yeah you're, they're they're gonna ask you for eight picks or, or or whatever it is. But no, that's an intriguing thought. So thanks for that, Rob. And it, we did get Zach back here, but before we we bring him in john he did bring up the simmons situation we haven't talked about that in a little bit now for those who are rightfully fatigued to the situation the the sixers are now fining him for not being on this road trip although they did release the eight million dollars in escrow as a ostensible show of good faith which i think is a lot more good faith than simmons has shown them but you know he, he is now relying on these mental health issues which obviously if they're real are concerning but there is a little bit of boy who cried wolf aspect to this uh, as well because we already know that he wanted to be out of here and it doesn't seem like uh he's cooperating to the extent that the sixers would like um so any thoughts on what how that's going to play out any update at all i mean talking to people in the league i think the the thought process is that the sixers are going to talk a good game about wait waiting this out being able to wait years potentially um but yeah, at the end th- of the they day, they already have talked a good game about that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when they get to that trade deadline, the question is: Are you going to give up a year of Joel Embiid's prime without having an optimized roster? And I think most people end up at no on that. And so that the Sixers will end up making a trade where, like right now, they're trying to get ninety cents on the dollar, and they're not going to. But they're going to end up making a trade where they get maybe sixty cents on the dollar and help themselves this year and maybe put themselves in a position to make another trade after the year. In other words, if you get somebody who isn't maybe the superstar you crave, but is good enough to help you, and you get draft picks on top of that, then when the guy you really want comes available, can you take those assets and flip them in that next deal? So it's like a three-team trade almost, but it's separated by time. Yeah, that's that might be where it ends up. And I guess also, you know, what Joel's health is and how good the team is looking by the trade deadline will play into that a little bit also. Um, you know, I haven't had that many conversations around the league, but maybe you have on this. Of Is there any kind of a fear among rival executives that, oh, these Ben Simmons uh, mental issues are legitimate and he would have to still work through them if he gets traded? Or is everyone just under the assumption that it's just a bullshit? I have not, not heard one person honestly <laughs> say like, oh, oh. <laughs> You know, we'll have to we'll have to really get down to the bottom of that. Um, so I, I think the assumption is he would just come in and play. Now, somebody did make the point to me, like if I'm if I'm in a if I'm in a workplace that I hate and that's giving me mental problems and I change jobs like that doesn't mean that that former situation wasn't causing me problems. Right. Like, I mean, we we saw that like there was some stuff with Ben Simmons at the end of last season, even. Uh, so so before we're too, I guess, dismissive of that. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, the with the contract and everything and getting paid like there's, you know, there's some things to unpack there. But uh Part of, part of the reason I think that other teams aren't worried is just because once he's traded, he's out of that situation that is 
you know, maybe contributing to whatever issues he's having. Yeah, I, I mean, I, my operating assumption, sad as it is to say, is that this is kind of an invention at this point. Now, and, and I think there actually is something there in terms of mental health issues for him with the shooting and, and obviously some of the personal stuff yeah. that he's going through. But I also don't believe that that would prevent him from playing for a team that he actually wanted to play for. That That's yeah. kind of my, my thought at this point in time. All right, Zach, thank you for waiting for so long. Good to have you in here. What's your question? Hey, thanks guys for having me on. Um, you know, what the question I have for you is, you know, what will the roadmap look like for the Grizzlies to be, you know, serious top contenders within the next two to three years? Do you think that their current core will be good enough through internal improvement to compete for a championship? Or do you think they're going to have to package some things to get a star to compliment Jaw or Jaren? Or do you even think Jaren, I mean, do you think Jaren has to be involved in the deal to get a star? Um, just one of your thoughts on that. Uh, max contract for Dylan Brooks and trade for Paul Reed. That that would be that that would be. But uh, and, the, the oh, and, have to be involved in that deal. Yeah, and and run and run everything through John Conchar. Uh, that would be the no. I, in all seriousness, uh, the, yeah, the Grizzlies are at that point where they have a bunch of pretty good players, and the question is, how do they parlay that into a couple of great players? Uh, the hope is that Ja can be one of them. The hope is that. Jaron can be one of them. Uh, I think Ja is probably closer to that than Jaron at this point. Um, but you know, are either are either of them top ten guys in the league right now? No. Um, I think you know Ja has taken another step forward offensively, uh, and and that's really encouraging. I mean, thirty eight percent from three. Uh, you know, obviously he's incredible in transition. Uh, Jaron, I feel like uh, they kind of forget about him sometimes still, um, and that they could do they could do more like uh, to not just have him be. Uh, you know, not having beat Davis Bertans and just, you know, take advantage of some of his physical skills inside too, which I, I think is something that he showed a lot his his first year and is, and they've kind of gone away from a little bit. Uh, beyond that, like they got a bunch of good players, but just trying to figure out how to how to parlay that into 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 something greater, especially in a market where you know you're probably not going to compete in free agency. And so, getting that guy like a like a Simmons type situation, and I'm not saying it's necessarily Simmons because I don't know if he and Ja fit together, but a situation like that where somebody is under contract for multiple years and wants out and is under 30, I th- like they have to pounce on that because that 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 is the next step for them is to is to cuz you're eventually going to run out of time because all these half good players are going to get paid by other teams and so you're going to lose that situation where you have 12 or 13 rotation caliber players and you can trade you know five red trips for a blue chip and so that it's a really interesting time for them because of that and i you know i think like this year they'll be pretty good like they'll probably be in that 7 to 10 range again but what they do going forward to kind of move out of this position and into the upper reaches of the conference i think it's a really interesting dilemma yeah the only thing i can add, add to that zach is you, your timeline was the next two to three years i don't think that that's realistic under just about any circumstances uh, i would say um you know jaw to me you know, point guards tend to mature a little bit later and unfortunately also to kind of run out of gas a little bit earlier as well but you know, as athletic as he is you know i think age 25 26 that's probably going to be his prime years so maybe in the three to four year range and obviously that'll be when he's in the middle of his max contract as well you know jaron to me has been pretty disappointing and you know i would like to see him featured more in some ways as well but he also is shooting 42 percent from two on the season and that that's not particularly encouraging either so you know i i still and he's now almost you know more than a year removed from that surgery so i don't think you can point on that as an excuse i think he's been a little bit better defensively at times this year but you know he still is not someone who's being treated by the coaching staff as their second best player i'm not even sure i guess that would be dylan brooks at this point now that he's back from the wrist so yeah i mean i think their their path is kind of you know maybe somewhat similar to those thibodeau derrick rose teams to have great defense and john morant and you know be be a bear to play against and so can jaron jackson evolve into a center who can do that 
uh, I'm not really sure of that at the answer. So yeah, they'll be looking for the consolidation trade. And I, I agree with John, they should be looking to pounce on that. But how many guys who are getting traded off a really good contract, their second contract, don't just end up essentially picking their destination or at least being able to pick their destination among like four or five teams. And so unless job becomes a guy that teams are or, or that players are just desperate to play with, which eh, maybe that could happen. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that I see that path. And so maybe they just have to continue trying to hit maybe maybe Zaire Williams. I think that was he was kind of a swing. Uh, They've definitely, you know, I mean, they're definitely trying to take swings at bi- at big wings. Uh, yeah, you know, we see see with uh, with Culver with Justice Winslow, like that that's that's definitely a thing that they're doing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, I'm I'm not a Grizzlies fan. I'm actually a Warriors fan, but um, I just oh get this guy off the show, Nate. <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, seeing seeing how the Grizzlies just destroyed us, you know, in the playing game last year. Mm-hmm. I think that they need another ball handler to compliment Jaw. Um, I just don't. I just don't see Jaren. I mean, as much as I love Jaren Jackson, I love what he brings. I just don't see him being that second guy, like the second best guy on a championship team. But I mean, I hope I'm wrong because I really like Jaren Jackson. But um, you know, we'll see how it goes. But hopefully, maybe Zaire Williams can be that guy for them, that big wing that can handle and shoot for them to compliment Jaw. That's just my. Take. All right, thanks. Thanks for the that question, Zach. Good, good having you on. And we got time for one more here, and we're gonna try and pick someone that we haven't extra on yet on this show why don't we get to kirk kirk Sai, you are on hey guys i think you guys called me on <laughs> i didn't realize um my question is about skill development and most of the time we hear about players improving in skill development and i want to ask you about the deterioration of skill um I'm interested in this kind of like three components that maybe John can address too, and Nate, you can talk about one. One is kind of the, I think the, the prime example is uh, Westbrook. Um, obviously, he has not had a good career since his MVP season. And I looked at his stats, and the most stable one should be a free throw percentage. And somehow he's gone from a well over 80% free throw sh- shooter from his OKC days to now constantly in the 60%. So, uh, John, from a pers- projection point of view, um, is this a common thing that people just lose their basic shooting skills? I don't really think so. And two, from a front office point of view, um, is this something that skill development or um, coaching and training staff um, try to help players go through when they're aging? And Nate, I guess from a uh, just a, a viewing point of view or, or a playing point of view, um, do you actually see anything wrong with his shot compared to what it was before? His form doesn't look to have drastically changed. Thank you. So to me, there are two components here. I mean, free throw is actually a lot mental. I mean, we saw that with Nick Anderson, especially. Um, yeah, so- there's a lot of late career guys that will go through. Like Bill Cartwright was one of those guys. He was an 80% free throw shooter. And then, you know, he was in the 60s. Andre Guadala as well. But that's usually a lot of guys who just sort of got to the line early in their career and then don't anymore. Westbrook to me is a high volume free throw shooter you know Tim Duncan was another guy who would fluctuate a lot like he had some seasons in the 80s but you know would then be back in the 60s at times but yeah I mean it does seem like it's something particularly with Westbrook it's just all mental uh with him but then the other the other element of this is some of these skill declines are really the result of physical declines um yeah you know ankle injuries are very common in basketball and they do mess up your balance a little bit sometimes uh in very fine ways that you know don't really seem to affect you except when you're trying to launch a ball into a very small area from 30 feet away uh so that like that would be one example uh dribbling certainly guys quote unquote lose their handle and I think what they really lose is the ability to get as low uh we definitely saw that with a couple of our guys as they age where they were just as they got older they were just more upright and it was just so much easier to pick the ball from them and huh. uh so you know it's it's a variety of things that come with with aging and so it's it's tough to it's tough to pin it down to just one one thing when you're looking at at skill decline but I sort of agree with your your general contention. Like I don't think it's an area where teams focus on on uh, kind of the anti aging uh, part of skill. I think they look at uh, you know rest and recovery a lot and injury prevention, and that's certainly very important with your veterans. Uh, but maintaining skill level, I think, is something that kind of gets 
left to the side a little bit. Well, and also I think guys kind of are assumed to have their routines. And usually I think most of the time, it seems to me when I'm watching more veteran guys work out before a game, it's almost like they're kind of running it. You know, they have their routine. They have the things that they want to do. um, And you don't see necessarily, you know, I I don't think that like Bruce Frazier is the guru with Steph Curry, right? I think they're kind of doing what Steph Curry wants to do. Steph obviously has done a great job of keeping it together. It's also interesting that you mentioned the physical, particularly with Westbrook, because he jumps a lot on his jumper. And, you know, that's, I think that is a little bit more difficult, especially because if you have any kind of knee problems or you're not feeling well that day, you know, sometimes when you jump and you're old, I can attest to this, you don't really know what you're getting from jump to jump. Like you might feel like a little stab of tendonitis, or maybe you just don't get quite the same rise every time, or you're not feeling the same way from game to game. And you have to kind of adjust your shot to that. Whereas a guy who shoots more of a set shot, you're you're not as reliant on your jump for the momentum and you're so there's just less things that maybe will change with that so you know i mean that's russell westbrook is still an outlier i think in terms of how he's declined from the free throw line and his jump shot you know jj reddick was a guy who shot at the top of his jump and he maintained his jumper well into old age so i think it's all on a case-by-case basis but i think those are some of the factors that can lead to declines like that which are unexpected i would like to ask if there's any kind of uh, movement in terms of analytics or um, using technology to follow kind of this kind of uh, player deterioration or performance. Um, you know, in baseball, for example, the last few years or the last decade has uh, a lot of analytics has been about this, like whether, you know, a rotation on a fastball, um, whether they can increase the rotation on the fastball makes the fastball harder to hit. And I wonder if there's even something basic, like seeing how many rotations on a free throw shooting ball is, or, um, obviously, that we we know about you know um, player burst and speed and uh, deflections and so on, but um, something more attuned to the player's um, specific body and how they're um, releasing the ball in terms of angle, speed, et cetera, et cetera. Whether there's any work being done on that, and it seems like it would be, could be an interesting uh, area for analytics and um, tracking data to to sink into. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely technology now that analyzes player shots and whatnot. And uh, so tracking that over time, I think, is the next step. And and I think that'll be a really interesting thing when teams start doing this more systematically and have enough data. I mean, one of the biggest issues in all of basketball is just getting N to a large enough uh, size that you have actionable uh, conclusions. Uh, when you're dealing with these, your roster is a small sample, basically, even after multiple years. The draft is a small sample. Uh, so th- that's one of the problems that uh, basketball has, especially relative to baseball, where you have bigger rosters, more games, and years of history. Yeah, and it definitely seems like there are some players, like I think even going back to, you know, it was in Cleveland or Miami where LeBron it was tracking the launch angle and the height of his free throws and stuff like that to try to say this is the, this is what's giving the ball the best chance of going through the basket and this is when you're going to shoot the best. But then knowing the optimal launch angle and then also getting the mechanics right to where you're achieving that, you know, that's sort of, a, I think, more difficult. Everyone knows, all right, this is the optimal fly to the ball but for this player how can they achieve that in a way and there's always a risk right in rebuilding your shot you can you're because you're going to be worse at first and a lot of players are not willing to go through that they've shot this way their whole career and we've seen guys you know like a markel fultz for example trying to rebuild their shot and make it better where it just they never even got back to where they were to start with and so i think a lot of players will see that and not want to mess with it when you know especially if it's a guy who's already a pretty good shooter if it's a guy who sucks at shooting you could probably actually have maybe more success with players are very reluctant to mess with their shot but what I think where you could have some success is saying, hey, you know what? A, a year ago, you were able to do this. Like if you can show them tape or data that says this this is what you were doing and it was working and you're starting to do this a little bit. And can you just get back to this point? Uh, you might have more success. All right. Well, that will do it for today's show. Thanks for these uh, great questions. We really appreciate you joining us and also staying with us through the technical difficulties at the start. And that will do it. We will be back next week. Uh, We may not be at the exact same time. Stay tuned. Maybe due to Thanksgiving, we might change things up a a little bit. We are going to do a show next week. So uh, stay posted on our Twitter and we'll let you all know. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. 
Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.